All right, uh, we are talking, we're going to, I guess, uh, retread a little ground. Uh, some of this I didn't know where to put it, um, and it would have been, it would have taken up multiple classes at the time. So we're going to, we've talked about Jesus Christ as being divine, um, and then we went and talked about his humanity. We're going to talk, we're going to kind of go back to the idea of, of Christ being God, because we're going to start getting into his works, and what Today, kind of, we're going to go through, I, I don't want to say an outline, but it's it kind of an overview of his work, uh, what Christ does. Uh, and um, not just what Christ does, but um, things that show that the what he did specifically require him to be God. They can't like like miracles. A lot of people did miracles. So so to say, well, Jesus did miracles. That's kind of stretching uh, to say, well, that proves he's divine. Well, a lot of people did miracles that weren't divine. So that doesn't prove anything. A lot of people were, you know, had different references to them. Uh, so uh, I want to really stay to things that uh, indicate. Uh, Jesus' divinity, but now kind of talking about his works, because we are going to start talking about what Christ does. We've talked about that in terms of God, but we want to talk about that in terms of Christ. So um, let's start over here with Diane, and uh, we're going to read John chapter 1, verse 3. John chapter 1, verse 3. Okay, and I think we've covered this before. We talked specifically about, or generally, I should say, about God. So, what is what is Christ's work here? Okay, creation. That is a work that only God does. Satan doesn't create. We are made in the image of God, which means we are creative. We have that kind of. I guess, idea. Animals don't really create things. They don't come up with it. They do what they do. They have instinct. They, they don't get ideas. and, and make. But, but the difference between us and God is what? In our creative abilities or desires. We can't create something. All right. Uh, we can only adapt. It's like the old story of uh, the... The evolutionist and the and and God, they, they have it's just you know obviously fictitious, but uh, the but uh, the the evolution teacher guy scientist he comes up he says I have found a way to make life so he's, he was going to have a contest with God it's like I can do it just as good as you so he's like all right let's let's have this contest and uh, so the uh, God says you go first and uh, so so the so the the science guy. Gets his pile of sand together, and God goes, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You go make your own sand." So, like, um, th- this ability—we have the ability to to create using something here. But, but I love how this is. Fra- how is this phrased in terms of Christ's creative capabilities and work? 
because nothing was made that has been made. So he didn't make it out of anything that already existed. All right. It, it, everything, Christ was involved at every level of creation to some extent. Nothing came into existence. With, with, you know, I don't know what the difference is between what the Father does and the Spirit does. And, like, they're all in this creative, you know, story. They're, they're all a part of this. It's all attributed to every part of them. I don't know how they divide that up and what they contribute to that. That's really not, you know... It's not for me to know. What is for me to know is, is that this, this says that Christ was involved at every level of, or at, at some level of everything that has ever come into existence. Christ was involved in. Well, that means he wasn't created. <laughs> be very hard to be involved in the creation of yourself. Right, so, so those who want to teach that, that Jesus is a lesser being and created by the Father, and then, like, sorry, this, this, this goes out of its way, this verse goes out of its way to express that that can't be possible, like, multiple ways, without him nothing was made, that was made, and, um, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 is very similar, but it's going to look at the same topic from a slightly different angle. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. Marge, do you want to read that? Yeah, sure. 8-6? Yep. Yet for us there is only one God, the Father, who is the source of all things, and for whom we have, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through and whom are all things, and through and by whom we ourselves exist. Okay. What do you see in here as Christ relates to creation, to existing things? Again, we see kind of the, the different aspects of God involved here in creation. What, what other relationship does, does Christ have to creation? And you see that he is the purpose of creation. Right? We exist for him. There's one Lord Jesus Christ. All things are through him and we exist through him. This whole idea is, is of God and Christ in, included in here being involved. Not just in its coming into existence, but, but that we are for him. And there's another, I forget where the passage is, it even goes into that. There's a number that might be in Hebrews that were through him and for him and by him. <clears throat> that, that Christ is, and God is, the Father, they are the, I don't want to say beneficiary, like we, like, like we do something for God, but, but that he is the purpose for it. For everything, for the existence of everything in our universe, Christ is the purpose. That's something that can only be said of divinity. Right? So, 
again, we see a, a different way that, that Christ is divine. Uh, Colossians, we're going to look at a couple of Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. Marcia, you want to read that? And then, uh, well, let's read them one at a time here. Colossians 1, 17. Okay, so so what do we what's what's happening with the creation now? Okay, it, there's this this maintenance of it, right? Uh, there, there's something continuing to happen. Well, what idea does this throw out? This kicks another theological idea out. Yeah, deism doesn't like this verse. Ah, I'm just going to make it, and then it's going to operate on its own principles, and, and, and there it goes. And, and we can go and feel good that we have checked the box of believing in God, which is what they did, but then we're going to live the way we want, which is kind of also what they did. And, and, and deism was a nice way to do that. Deism didn't last really that long. Uh, as a actual, I mean, it still exists. You know, a lot of people live that way and come to church on Sunday and go do what you want. That's a form of deism. But, but as an actual philosophy, really, it was just a stopgap between the whole world believed in God of some way, and and you know, about twenty or thirty years later, between the mid seventeen hundreds, like Voltaire's time. And the late 1700s, so, which is the French Revolution, between those th- those period, evolution and, and is evolving in, in Europe, and, and then as a means to try to get rid of God, and um, and so all of that was a means to get rid of God. We just had to get rid of God. You know, if we throw millions of years at it, we can do that. If we, whatever. Whatever the the thing is, deism was only temporary. But to to get people warmed up to the idea of going from a belief in God to a belief in no God. But by the end of the French Revolution, I mean that that was one of the main points of French Revolution was to get rid of God. Period. I mean, murdering to go as far as murdering anybody, any priests who really preached anything about it. So. Uh, so that, that was a, a fairly quick transition, and this says, no, sorry. God, Christ, continues to maintain it. It's not, he, he says, he, he, these things continue to hold together and, and operate and function and do all these things through Christ's power. We get smaller and smaller, and we explain more and more scientific things, and the more scientific things we explain the more questions we have. And no matter how infinitesimally small we get, we get to a point where we just go, I don't know. I do. Colossians 1.17. That's the answer. When you, when you run out of answers, Colossians 1.17 is the answer. I mean, there might be something smaller that we haven't discovered yet, but eventually you're going to get to Colossians 1.17. In him, all things consist. 
What holds a quark together? I don't know. Do they even exist? Maybe theoretical. <laughs> uh, whatever holds a quark together, uh, what, what's that made up of? And then when you figure that one out, what's that made up of? In him, all things consist. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Well, you want to read Hebrews 1, 3? So a little bit different. What's his work here? Got a lot. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. What's he doing now? Okay. Now he's taking care of the spiritual universe, isn't he? Think about what Christ has going on. Oh yeah, over here, I'm going to be maintaining the entirety of every atom in existence. No small job. It's all going to hold together because of me. And now I'm going to purify every human being who's ever lived of sin. <laughs> like, that's, that, who can do that? So, so these are two sides of God's providence. We talk a lot about providence. This is one of God's work, right? This is, this is a divine work, is providence. And again, the Father's involved in this. The Spirit's involved in this. And Christ is involved in this. Christ is and has to be nothing short of completely divine. Uh, it, it, by looking simply, without, without even looking, we focused before, in other words, on the words in, uh, that, that say Christ is divine, or where Christ says I am divine. And you look through, uh, and you can find any number of websites, well, Jesus never claimed, da, 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 da. it's like, you can't read a page of the Bible without seeing some affirmation that Christ is divine. Either in him, yes, he does say he is, uh, and or other people saying he was through inspiration, and then a declaration of the works that he does. Uh, 
all demand that we understand Christ as a completely divine being. Uh, similarly, we're going to look at um, kind of some of some other things here that are similar, beginning from this point in Hebrews one three, Matthew chapter one verse twenty one. Mark, would you read that? Matthew one verse twenty one. Okay. And what 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 points are are really applicable from this? What, what what's pertaining to his function? What's that? Savior. He's a savior. And that's the job that God does. And I, I, I look, when is this said about him? All right. He's, uh, he's, he's conceived. He's not even born yet. And he has divinity assigned to him. Something that humans can't do. Um, so salvation, we talked about that anyway, the, the, this, this spiritual providence in Hebrews. We're going to kind of look at this sim- similar. Um, Matthew, we're going to, uh, chapter 2, the next, the next chapter, Matthew chapter 2. That might be wrong. Oh, no, excuse me, Mark, thank you. Someone photocopied or uh, printed this off and is... I'm right in the range here. I, I didn't get to the printer in time, and I'm right in the range where my glasses are kind of either necessary or making it the problem worse. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, that's not happening. So, I, what? I, I didn't say it didn't help. I just said that's not happening. <laughs> I'm not ready to admit that at this point. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 7 through 10, if someone... I thought, I thought something was wrong with Matthew, because like, I think that sounds a little too early for what I'm hoping that is. Uh, Kat, do you want to read uh, Mark 2, 7 through 10? Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them... Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. You said content. Yeah. Uh, but that you may know that the Son of God, Son of Man, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic. paralytic. And then, okay, so, so the, the point is, the whole story is of the miracle. There are a number of, Fascinating things in this passage, if we pull them out. You know, like, like what things people think are really, really... What is harder to say to somebody? Let's answer the question. What is harder to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise and take up your bed and walk? Which is, which is harder to say? <laughs> yeah. 
Your sins are forgiven. Like, like, who can forgive sins? That's the harder, that's sneaky the harder one here. You know, people are like, um, you know, uh, getting rid of a physical illness is, is the harder one. We have doctors that do that. I mean, to a certain extent. They can do that on occasion. We don't have people that can get rid of your sin. I almost feel like how I've always viewed this is the reason that he says, you know, that particular phrase is it's easy to tell someone, oh, yeah, your sin's yeah. forgiven. It's easy to say that. that right, the words themselves, correct. Do it. But it's much easier to say that than to tell somebody who has never walked, you know, for a long time, oh, yeah, just get up and go. Yeah, you know, no, that, that, was, that was the point where... Yeah, you can you can say anything you want, but I can tell him to get up, and he will. Yeah, the words are easy to say. And no physical evidence required. Yeah, yeah, we have we have religions that do that all the time. Oh yeah, the words are easy, but but to, from from a human's perspective, that's way harder because it it defies my uh, my like my observation. I can't observe someone's sins actually being forgiven. But in reality, Christ was showing his divinity by doing the actual harder one of the two to do. They wanted, (laughs) this is what's funny, they wanted evidence that he could do this really, really super hard thing by picking out something that's easier for him to do. (laughs) Humans are so totally upside down. Like, if you want us to believe you can do this, then do this. Right? That, that's the way I would go. But no. Prove you can do this amazingly hard thing by doing this, you know, half hard thing. That, that some people have done amazing things medically. Wow. That's amazing. There's amazing medical stories all the time. Technically, the Pharisees didn't look at either. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> the Jewish leaders... Uh... If he would have said it the other way, they would have had no claim that that uh, he sinned, but because he said it the way he said it, they were like, well, you got to be punished because only God is the one that yeah. uh, can forgive somebody's sins or right. cures. That's right. Isn't that one of the things you brought up on the night of his trial? Oh yeah, I mean, they, they, I'm sure, I, 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 they, they were in there for hours. Who knows? They, they threw everything at the wall, and it's like, I'm sure that came up. Uh, it, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of accusations that they had, and and I think you're right. I think he I, I think he said this, says this in this order so he can get them on paper, <laughs> uh, get them on record as as accusing him of blasphemy. It's actually vital for us to have that accusation because they recognize that sins are only forgiven by God. Sins are not forgiven by anybody else. Christ does it. And that's an important piece of evidence to have in the record. If he had just said your sins are forgiven and not performed the miracle, yeah. I don't think it would have been happening. No. It says there are maybe yeah. And then maybe that gave him credibility. Oh, maybe he can't. Yeah. Maybe. 
but again, we get to the thing, we're impressed by the little stuff. And then the, the thing that really should impress us is, is a man's ability to undo actions that we have done in the past. You can't undo actions you've done in the past. God says, I can. I can. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I say. This is just completely filled. Like, oh, yeah, I, I know what they're thinking. Just so you know. How did he know? How did he know I was thinking? Was you? <laughs> Somebody said something. Yeah. Um, here's one. Luke chapter 22, verse 42 and 43. Luke 22, 42, and 43. Mike, you want to read that? Luke 22, 42, and 43. Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. No, that's not right. Why? Where, 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 where? Uh, not if it's 22. Um, I was looking for the thief on the cross. And I'm not sure if... That's probably a typo. Okay. What does Christ have the ability to do? Change somebody just like that, say, now you're going to heaven. Yeah. Entrance into heaven? Yeah. Sorry, St. Peter doesn't control that one. I know it's in all our funny jokes. Um, but only a divine being has entrance to, or has, has the authority over a divine entrance to a divine location. <laughs> that's, that's it. So uh, he has that. We won't get into the thief on the cross. That's a separate topic. It has explanation that probably most of us are familiar with. Um, anyway, uh, in terms of whether you know its relation to baptism is, is a silly argument. Um, it, it, it's the one they always go to, and it's really the weakest argument for faith only. It's, it's you know, you, you can pick it apart pretty easily. Um, it, it just doesn't match up. But we're not... What's that? No, the, the thief on the cross and being forgiven by... But that's not really our point. Our point is that Christ has authority over admission to heaven. That is a divine work. That's a divine... Something that only can belong to God. Uh, and, yeah. And the rest is that it says, you know, uh, so you will be with me in paradise. So you will be with me in heaven. So you'll be with me. There's all sorts of, this, this is so rich in, 
different, uh, different teachings. You know, there's so many subtle things going on. You're right. Uh, that is going to... Yeah, yeah. But certainly there's an intimation that, that if he's going to be with him, uh, he's on the right side of the tracks. Is, is, is his destination. And it's obvious from his location at the time that he was headed for a wrong destination. And that got switched up at the last moment. Uh, so, <clears throat> and then John chapter 10, verse 18. Connie, do you want to read that? John chapter 10, verse 18. Okay, so he's talking about what here? It's kind of right, jumps in the middle of a text, but what's the topic? His life. He's talking about resurrection. Now, a lot of people have raised people from the dead before. That, that's, that's not, I don't know about a lot of people, but it has happened. It, it's happened prior to this. What's different about this one? He's the one who can raise himself. Oh, yeah, that, that's pretty hard. That's pretty hard to do. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, I'm coming back to life. That is power. Um, so, uh, and, and only that can belong to, to a divine... God, get, God can pull other people back. And even other people, through God's power, could pull other people back. But to pull yourself back. And to stay back. Yeah. And I'm not going... You said they eventually do die again. Yeah. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't. Yeah. That that is... And and he's called the firstborn from the dead, I think, for that reason. Uh, He's the first one to come back and... um, not have to deal with it again. So I want to look at, uh, switch up topics just a, a little bit within this af- affirmation of Jesus' um, divinity from silence. And what I mean by that is where, um, where, Something happens and Jesus doesn't address it and it illustrates his divinity. Now you say, that's kind of odd. But if you've read some of these, uh, and these are on the internet, uh, if you want to get a sneak peek and be able to correct me where I cite the wrong verse, those are uh, downloadable. Um, so John chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. We're going to turn there. And Ray, if you could read John 5, 22 and 23. Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, 
that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Okay. There's a lot happening here. Uh, those first couple of verses, though, give us something. Uh, I mean, it's not really silence, but he's commanding something. What, what is he commanding? What is he telling them? What's he describing about the Son? Okay. Why? What, what is it here that that lets us know that he has equal standing with the Father. Okay. Yeah, he's got, he's, he's like, he's, do, he's doing a work that God would ordinarily do. Yeah, that's the big one. Honor me like you honor the Father. Say what? Now, now we're going to look at some, some passages kind of here that, that, illustrate this revelation chapter five okay if you want to read uh revelation five eight through twelve Really not a way to beat around that bush. I mean, you can't do anything with this one. Now, I'm not going to get into what the different prophetic things about the scroll mean. Not, that's not even important. If you want, that's also on the internet. We did Revelation Classic a while ago. What is important here? There's a lot, there's a lot to un, you know, we say unpack it. What are, what are the things that stand out to you? Okay, it kind of goes through every synonym for worship. You can't get around the fact that Christ is being worshipped. Glory and honor. To what extent is he worshipped? Describe the worship of him here. 
everything. We're, we're talking angels. We're, we're talking like the high and ups. I mean, that's way up there, worshiping Christ. Yes. I was going to say, it's interesting because every time an angel is in somebody's presence and the person tries to fall down to worship them, they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You don't do that. <clears throat> right. You know, they, they make it a point to say, no, 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 and Christ is worshipped by them. But that's, that's something. And, and, and this is why I say, kind of group these with the silence part of it. Christ doesn't say, no, 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 no. We're the same stuff, you and me. We're angels. I'm just maybe a more powerful angel. You don't worship me. No, he doesn't stop them. It talks about the four living creatures. And they're even above. Right. Yeah, they're, they're high, there's a hierarchy of God sorts. Is the only one left that doesn't bow to him. Yeah. Right? Everything created bows before him, in other words. He's not created. He's, he's divine. Uh, and, and, to, and there's a sentence in here. Uh, and, and again, this goes into... Whatever this means prophetically, we're not getting into. Whatever's in this scroll, whatever it is, whatever it signifies, he says, um, no, they search heaven and they're looking for someone to open the scroll. Again, it's a metaphor. It, 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 this probably didn't actually occur as an event. It's possible, but this is a prophetic book. The point, though, is this is reality, that whatever it signifies could only be done by a divine creature. And there was no one fitting for this duty. There was no angels. There was nothing except Christ. That's it. And in fact, it was something pertaining to something else because even the Father didn't have access to this. The Father's there. Why didn't they say the Father do it? Why didn't they say the Holy Spirit do it? And there's a clue as to what it pertains to because why? Who is Christ? What is significant about Christ? Okay, so we get into the reference of, of uh, this, this cruci the crucifixion. In personality, in, in equality, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all the same. One of them had died on a cross. And, and something to do with that is connected to the scroll. And that's, that's, I think, the significance, which then helps us to understand one thing, because whenever we read some of these, those who will say, well, Christ wasn't worshipped, or it's God only that worshipped, and they try to rearrange these passages to be talking about the Father wherever something is worshipped in, in, in Revelation. It's like, no, this, this text is quite clear who's being worshipped. This is someone who died and rose again. Well, there's a... As we just say, there's a, a small number. We've already narrowed it down uh, to a very small number of people in the course of human history. And only one of those was worthy by means of not having died again. That's like a, a small group of one. So, uh, boy, we're about done here. Um, I want to skip uh, to John chapter 20 and verse 28. Uh, we could read... Uh, 
Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it's a uh, similar thing. It is the, the reception of worship. Uh, but John 20 and verse 28 will uh, uh, kind of sort up. Uh, Bruce, you want to read that? John 20, 28. Hmm. No, 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 Thomas. I'm just an angel. No, Thomas, don't, don't do that. Thomas ascribes to him deity. Specifically, again, we get into the people who will, will argue that Christ wasn't divine will say, well, he received honor, but we honor kings. We, we, do, we, we honor men and we give them titles and we say titles of just honor. That's not the same as worship. What does he call him? God. That is different. When humans take that honor to themselves in the Bible, bad things happen. Right? And so you see angels, and you see Paul, and you see uh, Barnabas. Like, like, please don't do that. We don't want to be like Herod, you know, who fell down immediately and died a couple days later. We, we really don't want that to happen. We, we don't want to take divine statements. This is not any honor that, that Thomas is bestowing upon him. He's taking, he's ascribing to Christ divinity. And Christ doesn't stop him. Because that's Christ's natural position. That's who he is. And that's something he's deserving of, just on earth as he is in heaven. He doesn't stop them there uh, because of his nature because of his works, because of all of that, who Christ is. So we're going to conclude there. Thank you for your comments and observations.